And that's what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. We've been looking up to God as our source of strength and joy. We've been looking out to others, how we can be a source of joy to others. Because oftentimes when life gets hard and things don't go our way, we look down. Isn't that what we do sometimes? You get hard news at work, you don't make the grade at school, or you get bad news from the doctor, or you hear about the terrorist attacks in Kenya, or you have a tough conversation at home. The most natural thing to do is to look down in discouragement and challenge. Sometimes we look down in discouragement and we, and we say to ourselves, you know, where is God when it hurts? Or how can this happen to me, God? And we look down in despair and discouragement. Or sometimes we look down in resolve. And we say, God, if you're not going to come through there for me, I'm going to have to come through for myself. I just have to make this on my own. See, when life gets tough, when life gets hard, we have a bad week or we have a bad day or a bad date, you know, sometimes we look down. I had a tough week this last week. I was, uh, some of you know, I like to enjoy hiking and biking. And I was out biking over in Elm Creek Park and I was riding along in a trail and went to the left and went to the right, and then I fell with a great crash. I mean, it was hard. I I skidded across the the pavement. I got some road rash on my arms. I hit my head. I had to go to the doctor, and the doctor says, you know, you need to be, you know, lay low for a little while. You know, you kind of got to rest your head and rest your mind, and that's a tough thing to do. You know, I like to be active, and I like to stay involved. He says, you know, you need to be quiet, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but the doctor says you got to kind of stay in a room and be quiet for a while. And you can't talk to your friends. You can't listen to the news. You can't, you know, uh, watch television or movie. You just got to be quiet. It's a hard thing to do. And it was a tough week. And, and I don't know if anybody else had a tough week, but it's hard to look up when everything feels like it's coming down, isn't it? It's hard to look up. When life gets hard, but that's exactly what God tells us to do this morning. To look up. Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus said it this way. I have come that you might have, I've come that you might have joy. Complete joy. Jesus said it more clearly. He says, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. Jesus said these words to his disciples just as they were entering some tough circumstances. He just had the Last Supper. He was just about to go on to his crucifixion and death. And he said to his disciples, he says, I have told you all these things. I have done all these things for you. Why? So that you might have joy. In the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your discouragements, because the question we're trying to answer this week is not, will I face challenges this week or this month, but will I look up? Will I find joy in the midst of a discouraging world? And towards the end of our worship service, we're going to hear some encouraging news from our young people. But before we do that, I want to remind you of the cycle of joy that Frank Lake introduced, that I introduced that Frank Lake created a couple of weeks ago. If you remember, the cycle of joy is this pattern that Frank Lake discovered as he learned about the life of Jesus. What he noticed is that many Christians start off their journey really well, but they end in discouragement and dismay. And so he researched the life of Jesus, and he found this pattern, this trend, this cycle of grace that leads 
to joy. I just want to remind you sort of the cycle. First, it starts with acceptance as illustrated by the grandparents accepting their grandson. You know, a great place of acceptance. And that the first stage in the cycle of grace is to realize that we're accepted by God, not because of what we do or what we don't do, but because of what Jesus had done for us. That Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. We died the death that we deserve to die. He accepts us. We just have to accept the fact that we're accepted. Jesus heard these words from his heavenly father. This is my son whom I love. In you I am well pleased. It's the first part of the cycle of joy. But the second part is sustenance. This is where we take a part in finding our grace and joy in God. And, and we do certain things. Jesus often went to the mountain to pray. He went by the lake. He hung out with his friends. He, he gathered for corporate worship like we're doing now to feed and nourish his soul. That's how we find joy in the midst of a scourging world. We not only experience God's acceptance, but his sustenance. We nourish our souls that leads to a life of joy, but it doesn't end there. It moves to significance, as illustrated by the caterpillar to the cocoon to the butterfly. The butterfly represents the beauty. That significance relates to the word sign. That you're a sign pointing to something bigger than yourself. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. You're a city on the hill. You're a reflection of my beauty. That's what Jesus did all day long. He reflected the beauty and glory of God. But then it moves from significance to achievement. God says, I have created you for a purpose, to do good works that God has in advance for you to do. That's what Jesus did. Jesus finished his life. He says, I finished the work that God gave me to do. And he did it with grace. So he did it with joy. These are the four phases of the cycle of grace that lead to a life of joy. And what we're trying to answer this morning is when life comes our way, when we face difficulties, are we going to look down in despair or resolve, or will we look up and find our source and strength in God and to be an encouragement to others? This morning, we're going to look at a principle. It's actually a promise that we see throughout the scriptures that enables us to move through the cycle of grace and live a life of joy. It's a promise that started all the way back with Abraham, then to Moses, and then to David. It's a promise that was embodied through the life of Jesus. But then Jesus made this promise to his followers, a promise that leads to a life of joy. And it specifically relates to the final two movements in the cycle of grace, significance, and achievement. And, and the promise is found in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. It's page 989 in your pew Bibles. The words are also going to be on the screen. But just before, or just after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he said these encouraging words to his disciples. He gave them this promise to help lead them through the cycle of grace and live a life of joy. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, this is what we read. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Remember, there were originally 12 disciples. One didn't work out so well, Judas. And, and so now there's 11 disciples. And they go up to Galilee as Jesus requested. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. When they saw him, the resurrected Jesus, they worshiped him. 
We've got to remember, these are the same guys that saw Jesus arrested, flogged, and crucified. These are the same 11 guys who saw Jesus pulled off a cross, placed in a tomb with a, roll, with a stone rolled in front of the tomb. They saw Jesus crucified, bleeding, dead, and now they saw him alive. So they did the most natural thing. They worshipped him. They didn't strike up a band. They didn't sing a hymn. They dropped to their knees, and they worshiped Jesus, the Greek word proskuneo, and it means to bow down and serve. It's the same word that's used at the beginning of the book of Matthew when the magi, the kings, bow down to Jesus and give their gifts. They worshiped Jesus. They bowed down. Some scholars say even kissing Jesus' feet. When they saw Jesus alive, They worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that Matthew included that in his biography of Jesus. Because he didn't have to do it. He could have left it out, but Matthew was recording history. This is what actually happened. Some of the 11 disciples worshipped Jesus, but some doubted. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe there were three of these 11 disciples that doubted. So if you're here today and you're a little bit skeptical, you're not quite sure about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're in good company. Because these 11 disciples that walked with Jesus, saw him crucified, die, with a, placed in the tomb, they saw the resurrected Jesus and they doubted. And then Jesus makes one of the biggest, boldest statements ever recorded. I'm sure it sounded a little bit crazy then. It even sounds over the top today. Jesus said these words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, all power, all dominion in heaven and earth belongs to me. I'm all powerful. I'm the true king. I'm the ruler. I'm the one that has authority. I don't know what's going on, but it's something about I've got the power. Can we hear it again? That's what he said. Let's hear it one more time. That's what Jesus said. That's good. Thank you. Yes. Jesus said, I've got the power. Sounds a little bit arrogant hearing it today, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit over the top. Sounds big. Sounds bold. I've got the power. All authority on earth and in heaven belongs to me. Now, when we hear these words, sometimes it's easy to to gloss over them, but they're big. I mean, they're bold. They're they're even encouraging, but they're not the only words that Jesus says. Jesus' next words were, therefore. Therefore, because I just died on the cross and rose from the grave, because I have all power, because I've got the power, Jesus says these words. Go and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice Jesus did not say, go and have a Bible study. That's not what he said. Jesus did not say, hey, go and look, review my teachings, talk to one another, and really love each other well. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus did not say, hey, go and be a really nice person, a great citizen. That's not what he said. Jesus said to his disciples, after dying on the cross and rising from the grave, go and make disciples. Now, disciples is not a word that we use very frequently in our English language today, but it simply means a learner or a follower. Jesus says, go and make learners. Go and make followers of me. I don't want them to follow you, Peter. I don't want them to follow you, Matthew. I want you to go and make followers or learners of me. Make disciples that look like and talk like and believe and live like me. And I don't just want you to stay in Jerusalem where you feel comfortable, you know, where there's people like you and they believe like you and they talk like you. I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to all the world, to all the nations. It's the Greek word ethnos, where we get ethnicity. I want you to go to all the ethnic groups around the world and make disciples, learners of me. That's what Jesus says to his 11 followers. These 11 guys, maybe there's nine because some doubt it. I mean, nine that really believe that he's the resurrected Savior. These 11 guys that don't have much influence, you know, a couple fishermen and tax collectors, a couple other odd jobs. He says, you go out and be world changers. You go out and tell the message that I'm alive. I've risen from the grave. You go out and make learners followers of me and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. You don't have to teach them the whole Bible, although that'd be great. You don't have to teach them all 613 commandments in the Old Testament, although that'd be fun too. You don't even have to memorize the 10 commandments. All you have to do is teach them what I've taught you. Remember that little phrase I taught you, the greatest commandment? And to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Teach them that. Keep it simple but teach them everything that I've given to you. Teach them, and I'm alive. I've resurrected from the grave. Teach them what I've taught you. I've taught you some things. Now take what I've given you and give it away. Teach others what I have taught you. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then Jesus says these very encouraging words, these words that we sometimes overlook, but they are so critical for all of us that want to live a life of joy. He says this promise, this, this promise that we over, often overlook. He gives this wonderful promise when he says this, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Do you see the joy? Do you see the promise? Jesus said, Surely I'm with you when? Always. I'm always with you. I'm with everyone who goes out and makes disciples in a very special way, in a very personal way. I'm with every disciple who makes disciples. See, sometimes 
in our Christian journey, we sometimes question, you know, where is God? Or I'm not really feeling connected to God very much right now. Or how can I align myself with God? Jesus makes it very clear. He says to us, I'm with every disciple who makes disciples. I'm with every follower that recruits followers. I'm with every teacher or learner that then teaches others what they've learned. I'm with every disciple that makes disciples in a very special way, in a very personal way, even in a supernatural way. I'm with every disciple who makes disciples. And many of you know this. I mean, you know the joy of God's presence when you're teaching in Sunday school class and, and you sense that these kids are learning more about God or when you're, or you're on a missions trip and you sense the satisfaction of participating in something bigger than yourself or when you're mentoring a child or when you're volunteering in the youth ministry or when you're holding a baby in your arms. You sense that joy, that satisfaction of passing on to others what God has given to you. Many of you have experienced this promise, the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. Surely I'm with you always whenever you go out in my name and make disciples, followers, learners of me. A couple weeks ago, I had a chance to go to a friend's wedding, and I struck up a conversation with a friend of a friend, and we're having lunch together, and we're talking about our lives. And earlier that morning, I prayed for an opportunity maybe to share my faith. And this friend of a friend asked me, so, hey, Chad, it seems like your faith is really important to you. Why is that? It's pretty obvious. You know, here's an opportunity to talk about how God is alive and well. And I says, you know what, for most of my life, I thought going to church was just kind of something that you just do. You just kind of go to church. And God was sort of this big God in the sky. You know, Jesus was the Savior of the world, but he wasn't my Savior. God was more of a concept than a person. And this f- new friend of mine says, you know, that's kind of how I felt, you know, going to church, kind of going through the motions, not really having a connection with God. And I says, yeah, you know, most people sometimes feel that way. God, to me, growing up, was kind of like an athlete on a baseball card. You know, you see the picture, you know the stats and the figures, but you've never really met the person. He says, oh, man, that's exactly how life's been for me. I says, yeah, until I met Jesus. Until I experienced the first cycle, I didn't tell him this, the first cycle of grace, God's acceptance and love and forgiveness for my sins. Then I started this personal relationship with God. And I saw the lights flicker in his eyes. And I sensed God speaking through me. And it was as if God was with me as I was sharing my faith with this new friend. Maybe that's why Jesus said these words in the book of Hebrews, when it's recorded, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy of seeing people come to faith, a reconciled relationship with God, Jesus endured The cross, all the suffering and the shame because he could experience the joy of seeing people reconciled to God. And many of you know this. Many of you have experienced the joy of sharing your faith with someone and seeing that person come to faith. Or volunteering in the youth ministry or holding a child in the nursery or caring for the homeless or the poor. You've experienced the presence of God, the joy of serving God 
and leading others to God. You know the joy of making disciples, but not all of you. Some of you are still in that first part of the cycle. You know, we get to acceptance or sustenance. Some of you are still trying to figure out that first part. You're not quite sure how to share your faith. Or you're not really sure what your gifts are and how they can contribute to the body of Christ. You're a little bit skeptical, a little bit scared in what God says to each one of us. I want my joy to be in you. And I want your joy to be complete. I want you to experience the joy of reaching out to others, teaching others what I have taught you. I know you don't feel up for the task. I know you might be a little bit nervous or it might be a little bit hard. I know you're probably pretty busy with your life. But here's the promise I'm going to give you today. I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to give you the right words to say. And you're going to experience my joy. That's what Jesus says to each one of us. I want you to experience my joy. And here's what you got to do. All the stuff that I've taught you, go and teach that to others and I will be with you. I promise that. And you'll experience my presence and you'll be full of joy. Here at, here at Maple Grove Covenant Church, we experience the joy of making disciples. Collectively, we gather every Sunday morning to lift up our voices, to declare our love and allegiance to God and to hear from him through practical biblical teaching. That's the beginning of our discipleship process as adults. We hear from God, we worship God on a Sunday morning, but that's not all we do. After we hear from God, we talk to others because we know that it's not in just the listening, it's in the doing. So we move out of rows and into circles called community groups. And in community groups, we talk to one another, we encourage one another, we help one another apply God's words to our lives. But that's not all we do. After we worship and after we connect in community, then we go out and make disciples. We run for clean water. We teach our children. We go on mission trips. We mentor our children. We lead small groups. We serve our city. We invite family and friends to worship. We reach out to our neighbors. We serve in the kitchen. We help the homeless. We invest in the next generation. We go out and make disciples. That's what we do at Maple Grove Covenant Church. We worship, we connect in community, and we go out and serve others in love. We go and love and live. And as a way to illustrate our desire to go, our practice of going, I've invited Stephanie Bruns to come on up here to share a bit of her volunteer experience. Stephanie is a graduate of Southwest State and currently working in marketing here in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area. And she volunteers with our young people. She's been doing it for the last three years. And uh, Stephanie, why don't you describe a little bit about your volunteer efforts with our students? Uh, yeah. Uh, every Wednesday night we meet as a youth group. Um, and we play games and we uh, do lots of uh, different fun stuff and we listen to John speak. Um, and then we end um, in small group every week. And we talk about our lives and we talk about um, things that they are doing this week and um, just struggles that they've been having in school. And um, so they open up and uh, we talk about our lives. Wonderful. And, and before I take, uh, ask you the next question, I just want to say thank you. 
Thank you for volunteering. Let's, let's just show our appreciation to Stephanie and say thank you. So for the past three years, you've been taking your Wednesday nights out and you've been interacting with some young students. Why would you do that? I mean, what, what motivates you to do that? Um, well, if anyone knows these girls, um, to know them is to love them. They have the biggest hearts in the world, and so um, I love spending time with them. Um, and I love that they open up to me. Um, they don't need to come every week and trust me and open up, but they do. Um, so I love being with them every week. And um, I just think that, you know, God calls us to serve, and, you know, it's a way that I serve Christ. Yes, God calls us to serve. And one way that you serve Christ is volunteering and building relationships with some students. And, and so how does that feel? I mean, after an evening of interacting with the students or maybe reflecting a few days later, how does it feel to, to serve in that capacity? Um, well, I just feel very privileged to be a part of their lives. Um, I just think they're wonderful girls, and I think that... Uh, being a part of their life just means a lot to me. Um, being able to watch them grow and learn new things and um, accomplish new things, uh, so that's really exciting. Um, and I'm just really happy to be able to serve. You know, if you know we're called to do it, and if I can do it and I can make a small difference, uh, the way I felt like I had a difference here in the youth group when I was in the youth group here, um, that just feels like I'm giving back. So. Yeah. So it's it sounds like it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And and even satisfying. And, and maybe even a time of joy. Yeah. And isn't that what Jesus said? You know, isn't that how Jesus described this? As you go and make disciples, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to make your joy complete. Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. And one of the best ways to experience joy in the midst of a discouraging world is to do what Stephanie does every Wednesday night to volunteer, to invest your life into someone else, to teach others what God has taught you. Let's show our appreciation once again to Stephanie. Well, this morning we are going to recognize and celebrate three mile markers on the discipleship pathway, two related to confirmation and one with our first grade students. And as the ushers come down to receive this morning's offering, I'd just like you to enjoy a video describing confirmation, particularly the confirmands that have completed confirmation over the last two years. So please enjoy this video. As we close our time together, I'm reminded that eternity is a really long time. Really long. Eternity is a really long time time. And when we're in eternity, we're going to be able to worship God without sin. We'll be able to sing songs and laugh. We're going to be reunited with family and friends. We're going to be able to get all of our questions answered. We're going to be able to love one another well. But one of the things we'll never be able to do in eternity is go and make disciples. We'll never be able to reach out to a family member, to disciple a child, to reach out to a friend in the name of Jesus and teach them what we have been taught. That's our time now to go and make disciples. And the reality is, is that many people have discouraging news all the time. Discouragement at work, discouragement at home, tough things going on in their own heart. 
And one of the toughest things is answering the question, where am I at with God? Can I have a relationship with God? Does God know my name? And that's an answer that we can give as the church. We can go out and make disciples and be a blessing to others. We can reach out in the name of Jesus and encourage someone with the truth that Jesus knows you, that God has a plan for you, that he sent his son to die so that you might find joy, complete joy. And as we close our time together, I'd just love for you to stand as we sing together, people of God, rise up.